it's nice to think that maybe this dog was following the owner as they were laying down the tiles, getting into mischief as it wasn't supposed to. Join us for another episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects, Stories from Lancaster City Museums. I'm Rachel Roberts and I'm the Collections Registrar for Lancaster City Museums. In this series, we're looking at 100 objects from Lancaster, Morecambe and the surrounding area to celebrate a century of our museums and to find out more about the past and how we relate to it now. For today's object, we're revisiting Roman Britain, but this time it's not just the human inhabitants we'll be encountering. Today's object is a Roman tile imprinted with a dog's paw print. The tile is made of a thick reddish clay. It isn't whole, in fact it's been broken on most of its edges. Because of this it's a very irregular shape about 20 centimetres across at the widest part. There are no patterns or inscriptions on the tile. In fact, it's rather unremarkable, and thousands of light tiles would have been made in the Quormer area in the Roman period. However, on one side of the tile can be seen some familiar prints, dog's paws. The prints are quite distinct and clearly show the pads and claws. We spoke to Harvey Fox, a museum assistant at Lancaster Maritime Museum and student at Lancaster University, who gave us an introduction to the sort of things being made in the Quorma area. So Quorma is a village that's situated about three miles to the east of Lancaster, and today it's mostly residential, but it does have this ancient history tied to it. So we'll be focusing specifically on Quorma's Roman history here. It's a little muddy, but we do have some concrete facts. We know that a great number of kilns have been discovered in excavations at Quorma, and these kilns were used for pottery, such as tiles and pots. And it's also been suggested, but not quite proven, that Quorma was on a Roman road that led to Lancaster. So this suggestion makes sense. The road would allow Quorma to easily move through to Lancaster. We can guess from this that the sort of kilns that were found at Quorma were dedicated tile kilns as well. So in these kilns, the tiles that were found are a lot like the one that we're talking about today. So it's made of fired clay, but what's interesting about it is that there are three dog paw prints on the front of it. So at some time, a dog walked on this tile and left an imprint that is still there today. Pottery was a bit of a staple to Roman culture, so we find so many shards of it because it was vital to everyday Roman life. It found use in every aspect, be dining, construction, religious ritual, decorating the home, pottery and the manufacture of it was deeply ingrained in the Roman way of life. So it's this everyday importance that indicates why we found pottery absolutely everywhere in Roman Britain and beyond. Lancaster wasn't any exception to this. Loads of pottery shards have been found in digs in Lancaster. At the Roman fort, we found loads of examples of pottery shards parts of jars and cooking pots. We kind of have this expectation that maybe this pottery was imported, and that is true, there was some pottery that was imported, but not all of it was imported and exported, and in fact, part of that importance is that it was also made locally. How was Roman pottery made? And was there a difference between the types of pottery that Romans around Lancaster could get locally and the products that were brought in from abroad? The way that Roman pottery is manufactured is not all too different from the way we do it in the modern sense. 
the key to the creation of pottery is the kiln. You put clay inside the kiln, the fire heats the clay, and then it hardens, and you have a pot. And then, it, as part of trade, it would be imported and exported all across the empire. So the kilns that exist in Quorma prove that the pottery manufacture that existed in the Roman Empire then spread to Britain, and specifically to Lancaster and Lancashire. In some cases in pottery manufacture, the potters would actually put manufacturer's marks on the pottery to prove that it was their own and kind of show that they were proud of what they'd created. The pottery that was imported to Britain was usually the finer stuff or things with more elaborate designs. So these were usually sourced from Germany or from France, Gaul. That isn't to say that all of the pottery was imported. Some of the shards that were dug up at the Roman fort, for example, don't have any distinctive marks to show that they have any sort of pedigree from abroad. Rather, these shards were suggested to have come from in Lancaster, created for a local market. The pottery that was from Quorma is known as Quernware, and it's its own distinctive style of pottery. It's dark in colour, and it often had a bit more of a practical use in Roman households. Whereas the imported pottery was highly decorated, and it was a bit more orange in colour, it was slightly more delicate than the hardy, locally produced pottery. A lot of the pottery that has been found at Quorma is dated very closely to the pottery found in Lancaster, and that helps us have a bit of an indication as to the purpose it may have had, and this idea of a Roman road connecting the two, and suggesting that they may have been transported between. So we can guess that maybe these, this pottery was transported to Lancaster for construction work, the tiles unearthed at the Roman fort that didn't have these kind of clear maker's marks suggesting they were imported most likely came from Quorma, and then we can again see that connection of pottery travelling from Quorma to Lancaster to help build up the Roman fort or fortify it. The use that these tiles had was mostly architectural, and in this there were two kind of main purposes that a tile could fulfil. So some were building bricks, whereas others, which were usually a bit more decorative, were used as roof tiles. The roof tiles were intended to be seen, so they would have often patterns put on them, and these could be quite distinctive or decorative designs. Usually they would have inscriptions as to who made them, and sometimes also a note on what purpose they would actually fulfil. But the bricks were looking the same, but they weren't actually visible, so they wouldn't have these elaborate designs, even if they were similarly sized slabs. You can think of this as like the kind of invisible tiles that would hold up Roman bathhouses. They had a purpose, and they look visually and size the same as the decorative tiles, but they weren't actually seen when they were put in use. It's possible that the reason that this tile was still fired is because it was going to be used as a brick, so the fact that there was a dog paw in it didn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. But now onto the cuter side of Roman history. We asked Harvey to tell us more about the paw prints, and whether it's actually quite common to find them in Roman tiles. Absolutely, it's quite common actually, it's not really that unusual. Throughout history, animals and humans have been quite closely connected, and as a result, animals can leave their mark, even if they're not wanted to do so sometimes. In Silchester, there have been several species of animal observed as doing exactly what this dog has done. There, they found ten species of bird, seven species of mammal, and six ungulates all leaving footprints on shards of pottery. And it's also been suggested that that Silchester kiln maybe was adjacent to a farm, so they would lie the tiles out in the farm to dry, and the animals would walk all over them as they were drying in the sun, and you would get these distinctive marks put into them. There's also been some other tiles found in Quorma, 
that have had other animal imprints on them. So sheep, a fox, there are more than one dog tile in the collection as well. So it can definitely be suggested that Cormor might have operated in the same way to Silchester, having these tiles out and these animals would inadvertently interact with them and leave their mark forever. So why would this dog have been near the tile? Was it a guard dog, a pet, or just running wild? How did dogs fit into Roman society? Dogs have been human companions for about 30,000 years-ish, and the Romans were absolutely no exception to this rule. The Roman relationship with dogs is a bit complicated. It's not necessarily the same that we see it today, but that doesn't mean they didn't love them any less. It's just that the modern pet term might not be the same way that the Romans saw their dogs. Often dogs were working animals and they kind of had a purpose, so maybe they would be guardians of livestock like the dog at Quorma probably was, and that was likely why it interacted with the tiles where sheep may have been. But you could also have hunting dogs or guarding of property dogs as well, it wasn't necessarily just livestock. That doesn't mean the Romans loved them any less though, we have examples of dog burials, of dedications to their dogs, there have been examples of mosaics of dogs, all sorts of things to show that the Romans really, really loved their animals. We also know a lot about this because ancient writers would actually talk about dogs, and we have specific notes on Britain's dogs, when Romans would come and visit Britain and kind of write their histories of the area and what they'd observed. Sometimes dogs made little mentions in the wider stories. So the ancient Greek writer Strabo, for example, talks about some of Britain's big exports, and one of the things he listed, so you had corn, cattle, gold, iron, and dogs, sagacious in hunting. In other words, Britain had really clever dogs. The exporting and trade of dogs was actually quite valuable to the Romans. We also know quite a great deal on ancient dogs, thanks to Roman authors as well. Varro in De Re Rustica talks about dogs, how they're treated by their owners, even talking about the kind of collars that they would wear and how this depended on what work the dog was doing. And supposedly, guardian dogs would have these studded leather collars called meliums to protect them from wolves attacking them, so they could fight off and protect sheep. Working with history from so long ago, especially when dealing with such an everyday object which does not include any distinguishing inscriptions or maker's marks, can often include some guesswork. Given everything we've heard so far, what can we reasonably assume about the history of our tile? The story of our tile isn't exactly certain. Starting with the facts, we know that it came and was manufactured in Roman Lancaster, most likely from Quorma. Lots of the kilns in Quorma were fired, some of them weren't, and we can guess that it was found around one of these kilns. And we can know that from other shards that we found. We can also quite reasonably say that Quorma's tiles supported the Roman garrison at Lancaster in around the 3rd century. So we can guess from these facts that the tiles are around 200 AD or thereabouts. The tile itself is relatively flat, so we can guess it was probably used for wall building or perhaps contributed to a roof. The largest paw print on it is about 7.5cm, and, and then the smallest one is about 5.5cm. 
So either a dog was running across it, or maybe two different dogs walked over it at separate times. All of this information we can kind of use to start making a narrative on the tile itself. So this next bit's a bit speculative, but it's fun to talk about nonetheless. All of the other tiles that we found in Quorma originate from that kiln. So first off, we can definitely say, yeah, it probably came from that kiln. And then using the hypothesis of the Roman road, we can suggest that this tile may have travelled on the Roman road. The lack of a maker's mark on this tile means that the imperfection of the paw print might have prevented its use. We can't be certain on that, but it's definitely something to suggest. And as for the dog, we know that Romans had dogs as companions and guardians. We've found other tiles in Quorma that have imprints of sheep hooves. So it's likely that this dog was a livestock guardian, though it might have had a role a bit similar to a pet as well. The print's quite definite in the tile, it's not a kind of sliding print, it's very firm in the tile. So, though you could suggest two dogs ran past, it's a bit more likely that one stepped into it. And it's nice to think that maybe this dog was following the owner as they were laying down the tiles and accidentally stepped in one, getting into mischief as it wasn't supposed to. Harvey went on to tell us that there are even some sources surviving from Roman Britain that might help us conjure up an admittedly very speculative mental image of our dog in question. This is pure speculation, there is no actual evidence to suggest the dog breed, but it's fun to talk about. So to understand this, first we need to know a little bit about the different dog breeds that actually existed around the time. Some scholars have spoken about ancient British dogs and suggested they were their own distinct breed, maybe the precursor to the British Bulldog. The only in-source named dog breed that I could find was the Agassian. An ancient writer called Oppian in the early 3rd century describes it as a small, squat, shaggy thing, big nose and big claws, and he compares it to a bit of a house dog, so something similar to maybe a modern Yorkshire Terrier or a modern Jack Russell. So we could suggest that this dog was maybe an Agassian. It's also possible, and something to consider, that maybe this dog breed was taken to Roman Lancaster, as opposed to actually being born there. You can imagine a Roman travelling to this new place and bringing their beloved house guardian with them. So we can then expand our dog breeds to ones that originated in Rome, or perhaps beyond. Some well-known ancient dog breeds are the Molossian, which has been described to be quite similar to a Mastiff, and the Laconian, which is a bit more similar to a Shepherd dog. Varro speaks on these two different dog breeds, talks about the roles that they fulfilled in ancient Rome. The big Mastiff-like Molossian had a Guardian-type role, whereas the Shepherd Laconian was a bit more like a herding dog. So it's probably most likely due to the size of the paw that this dog was an Agassian or a Laconian. The Agassian would make sense, as it's a British dog breed, and therefore would be quite easy to find within Roman Britain. But the other dog breed, the Laconian as a shepherd, also makes sense, as this tile was most likely in a place that had loads of sheep in it. So to have a herding, slightly guarding dog around it would make a lot of sense as the dog breeds. So those are my two best guesses. It's hard to be certain to know what dog did tread on the tile, but what we know is that we have a very cool insight into Roman tile production from it and to man's best friend. Thank you so much for listening to our tale today on 100 Years, 100 Objects. We hope you will pause to listen to some of our other episodes, where we discuss everything from medieval rings to medical kits. <laughs>